This is the Building Resilience Podcast, Episode 98, Raising Resilient Kids. Welcome to the Building Resilience Podcast, where you will learn all about building resilience in yourself and helping others build it too. Drawing from the principles of positive psychology, neuroscience, and coaching, I will help you face all the challenges and adversities that life throws at you and help you do more than just survive. I will help you thrive. I am your host, Leah Davidson, and I am a certified life coach and speech-language pathologist. I will help you manage your mind, your emotions, deal with your stress and your overwhelm, and lead a more purposeful and joyful life. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. We are nearing the end of our first 100 episodes. And I realized as I've been planning out and mapping out what my next couple of episodes are going to be, I realized that I haven't done an episode dedicated to raising kids. Now, I did talk about successful parenting back on episode 62. So you may want to check that one out because it was a pretty popular one. And I have done a masterclass on raising resilient kids, and that was pretty popular too. So I thought that it would be good to have an episode dedicated to raising resilient kids because it is such an important topic. So before we dive in to actually raising resilient kids, I want to first do a quick review of resilience. Now, one of the things that is pretty much guaranteed in life is that you are going to hit many bumps. Nobody will get through life without navigating stormy seas, and I'm sure you'll all agree with that. Even though we know that, though, when we are hit with the storms, we resist. When our expectations don't line up with our reality, we suffer. We want to change things. We want the pain to go away. We want to try to control our circumstances to make the pain go away. But adversity, like our shadow, is here to stay. Now, sometimes if we look around and we see other people, we may think that they're doing it better. We may think that their adversity is just so much easier. Maybe they don't have it as bad as I do. But I want to offer to you that there really is no universal scale of pain. When we look at others, we're often just considering how we think we would manage the situation they are in. If it seems like we would handle it well, then we think they clearly have it easier. And if we think that it was something that we would struggle with, maybe we could say that their situation is pretty bad. But I will offer, as much as we try to empathize and put ourselves in other people's shoes, we never actually know how we would react. So I strongly encourage you to offer compassion and support and leave the judgment and comparisons aside. Now, there are so many definitions of resilience, and we've talked about them before on the podcast, but I want to talk about it again. I love looking at resilience as your ability to withstand adversity, to bounce back, and to grow despite life's downturns. It's your ability to bend and not break, to stay rooted despite the storms. It's your ability to fall apart and pick yourself back up again. Now, Rick Hansen, who's a neuropsychologist that I've talked about before, he defines it as the psychological ability to recover from stressful challenges while still staying the course towards your important goals. So it's the recovery from the worst days of your life and thriving every day of your life 
in the face of life's challenges. And he offers that we can grow resilience, which is something obviously I totally believe as well. And that's why the podcast is called Building Resilience, because I want to help you do that. With every adversity that we face, we develop different skills and that contributes to our growth. And Dr. Hansen, he talks about 12 different skills that you can grow to help improve your resilience. And just to name a few, grit, gratitude, mindfulness, compassion, courage, learning, intimacy, generosity. These are all things that contribute to our resilience. Now, the next question is, why is resilience important? It's important because it gives us the strength needed to process and overcome hardship. When we lack resilience, we can easily get overwhelmed. We may turn to unhealthy coping mechanisms. We can eventually get to a point of burnout. Resilient people tap into their strengths and support systems to overcome the challenges and work through the problems. So you can see that resilience can play a huge role in our life as we navigate all the storms and all the challenges. Now, as parents, one of the main things we want to try to do in addition to loving our kids is to help teach them the skills they need to navigate life independently. We want to raise our kids to be resilient and to learn to weather the storms of life. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Because let me tell you a truth I am experiencing right now. We raise our kids to leave us. We have a limited time to teach them and guide them before they head out flying solo, as most of mine are doing or have done already. But rest assured, These concepts apply whether you have young kids, old kids, or even no kids, because they're relevant for your internal kid too. So let's first look at a few myths about resilience with our kids. Now, the first myth is the idea that our kids should be happy all the time. And you've probably heard me talk about this before. Many of us will say our goal is for our children to be happy. And if you've heard me talk about this, you'll know that is not my goal. My goal is that my kids are able to lead a full human experience, and that includes feeling all emotions. I know that they're going to face stormy weather in life, sometimes at a very young age. And sometimes I see these storms as being unfair or like unsurmountable. How are they ever going to be able to deal with this? But if we expect our kids to be happy all the time and teach them that they need to be happy all the time, we're actually setting them up for a harder time in life. And we're going to dive into this a little bit more because it is such an important concept. But the second myth I want to talk about first is we think we need to protect them from everything. We need to intervene and we need to try to change the circumstances. And when they're young, it's much easier to do this because we do have control over pretty much whatever they do. But after you start to see your little one has a mind of its own, you can't really control them, nor can you control them from all the experiences that they will have. Experiences that are good, and experiences that are bad. Now, these experiences may be ones that they create due to their own choices. They could be ones that fall prey due to the choices of others. And then there's ones that occur as a result of just being a human being living in this universe. But we think we need to control things. And not only can we not control things, 
but even if we could control things, it's really not to their benefit. Now, the third myth that we often have is that our success as parents is defined by how well our children are doing. So we start to put a lot of pressure on ourselves as parents because we are linking our confidence, our well-being, our success to theirs. And that I talked all about on the podcast, episode 62. Go back and listen to that one, Successful Parenting. But basically, I think the first thing we need to do is understand what makes a successful parent. Is it if our kids are happy? if they're well-behaved, if they're well-mannered, if they're in school, if they have good jobs, if they get good grades, if we have a good relationship with them. None of these things actually make us a successful parent. Why? Because we can't look to our kids as proof of our success. Our kids are not owned by us. They are humans who have their own personalities, their own strengths and weaknesses, talents, flaws, dreams, desires, And they have their own agency, their own ability to choose. When we hand our success over to our kids, we are doing ourselves and our kids a disservice. Because what happens if they aren't happy or aren't successful? Which kid do we choose to measure ourselves against? Our happiest kid, our most successful kid, or our saddest child? And at what stage? Because I see my kids fluctuate. They're like normal human beings with ups and downs. They will make smart choices and dumb choices. They have accomplishments and they have trials. So resilient parenting, being successful, a successful, resilient parent is completely up for us to decide. We get to create our own success guide. Now, that being said, there is research out there about things that we can do to help increase our own resilience and help our kids learn resilience. So we can teach it. We can model it. There's no guarantee that they will learn it and adopt it, but we can do what we can, what's within our control. And today, I want to share with you five things that you can be doing right now to help your child develop resilience. The first thing is you need to be taking care of you. And I know that we often talk about self-care and that is a big piece of it. But today I want to talk to you more about a concept called clean parenting. And by clean parenting, I mean, are you parenting your child from a space where you have your stuff together? That you're not trying to get them to do things or not do things so that you can feel better that you are able to manage your own thoughts. You are able to take responsibility for your own feelings. You can be there for your child fully because you can handle your own emotions. And that requires you to be regulated or to know how you can get regulated. And being regulated is your ability to get to a calm place, to calm your nervous system, to relax while still being engaged in your everyday activities. So yes, relaxation and self-care are important. You need to have a daily outlet to let your stress out. But you also need to learn how to regulate yourself online during the day, hundreds and hundreds of times a day while you keep on going throughout your day. Learning to move from stress to calm very quickly and fluidly. 
this is one of the best things for you. And then one of the best things for you to model for your child is how to get into a relaxed body. This is so important. I cannot emphasize it enough. A body that is relaxed cannot hold stress. So in essence, we are modeling for them how to process stress. And you can try to do this by regulating your breathing, by doing meditation, by engaging in movement. And then you model this for your children. Once you are in a rest and digest state, then you are able to access your thinking skills. You can manage your mind. You can clean up your mind so you can be fully present for your child to support and to provide them with this model. So learning to self-regulate and parent from a clean place is a great place to start. Now, the second thing you can do is you need to learn to be okay with all emotions. So the first thing is let's stop labeling emotions as positive or negative because that right away sends a message that some are wrong. And I know it's just the words that we use and often those terms I end up using too and we're just terms that we're used to, but truly they're just emotions, pleasant and unpleasant. So be okay with all your unpleasant emotions and allow your child's unpleasant emotions. Let them have unpleasant emotions. Teach them that life is filled with ups and downs. Life is 50-50. Half the time, it's super hard and challenging and negative and bad. And the other half is fun and easy and good. So they will feel good and they will feel bad. It's okay for them to feel bad. And again, when I say 50-50, it's not an exact science. It's not an exact measurement. It's essentially saying that part of our life will be good. Part of it will be hard. Teach your kids this. It's okay for them to feel bad. When our kids are low, we often ask them things like, what's wrong? And that indicates to them that there's something wrong to be feeling low or sad or negative or angry. We need to be teaching them that part of life is not feeling good. Part of life is making mistakes, failing, putting lots of effort in, and still coming up short. You will feel depressed and angry and frustrated and lonely and bored, and that's okay. Nothing has gone wrong. Nothing has gone wrong when you feel this way. So allow your children the space to feel this. Don't rush in to fix things, to make them feel good, to entertain them. We can teach them to manage their own emotions, which means you have to learn how to manage your own. Show them your own vulnerability so they see that being vulnerable is not something to fear. Now, Brene Brown also talks about guilt and shame, and she says, teach them about that. So shame is, I am bad, whereas guilt is, I did something bad. Shame is not the best way to parent, but guilt can help our kids evaluate their actions. They will experience both shame and guilt, so it's okay to teach them that it's normal for them to experience both because it's normal for us all to feel it all. Now, the third thing we can do is teach our kids how to be resourceful. What do I mean by being resourceful? Being resourceful is the ability to figure things out. Now, the actual definition is the ability to find quick and clever ways to overcome difficulties. In a sense, we have been robbing our kids of resourcefulness. 
And let's talk a little bit about how our brains are wired so we can understand why this is so important. Say you have a problem and your child has a problem and they immediately turn to you to solve that problem. They are building up their brain to have the connection of, if I have problem, the path of going to my parent to find the solution is the one I use. Now, the next time a problem comes up, the brain is like, oh, I know this. I just hop on the pathway and automatically go to my mom or dad and ask them for the solution. So what happens is we constantly train the wiring of our children's brains to have to come to us. Well, what we need to do is interrupt that path and create a new one where the child has a problem. And instead of jumping on the superhighway of going to ask a parent for the solution, we interrupt it. They have a problem. They look for a solution here. They look for a solution there. They keep looking. They create multiple pathways. They become resourceful. We allow them time. If they do come to us, we encourage these pathways to develop by asking questions. What do you think you should do? What do you think could be an option? Have you ever seen anything like this before? What have you done in the past? What would somebody else do? What advice would you give somebody else? We want to allow them to be creative and to do things through trial and error and to figure things out on their own because they truly benefit from this. And at the same time, You want to develop your own resourcefulness. Are you a resourceful person? Are you trying out different pathways? Now, this obviously easier said than done, but when your child comes to you, try to ask them questions back in return to get their pathways developing. Now, the fourth thing kind of ties into this. Let them do hard and then teach them healthy ways to deal with hard. So it's kind of like stress inoculation. Prepare them for stress. But in order to do that, you need to let them do hard. I like to think of life like we're all assigned a bunch of classes that we have to take to learn whatever it is we have to learn. Now, initially, we often have control over what classes our kids take and who the teacher is and who's in their class and whether they take the subject or not. But as they get older, we lose that control. And often, we still try to control it. But don't deprive your kids of the classes they are supposed to take and the classes and the lessons they are supposed to learn from the teachers they are supposed to learn these lessons from. And this, honestly, is so tough to do. I struggle with this a lot. It gets easier as your kids get older because they pretty much say, I'm in the class that I'm in and butt out. But when they were younger, I remember I wanted to swoop in and remove whatever I could remove for them. But they learn resilience by doing the hard and by facing the struggles. And trust me, even though they're still older, I still want to swoop in and remove whatever I can remove for them. I think it's normal and natural for us to feel this way as a parent, but we are not serving them. Do you really want to deprive them from learning how to build their resilience by doing hard and facing the struggles? Because honestly, it's better 
for them to build the resilience when they're younger so they have the skills and the tools to use when they face the struggles when we can't come in and swoop and protect them. So don't remove obstacles because they may be their building blocks. Obviously, we can support them, but we don't want to take over. So be very mindful of that as you go about in your relationships with your kids. You're there to support and guide, but especially as they start getting older, let them do hard. Let them make their own mistakes. Let them build their own resilience. You're always there for support, but don't remove the obstacles for them. Now, the fifth thing that you can do is set limits. I love the analogy that I heard from Brene Brown of it to think of it like a rope between us. There needs to be some tension in that rope. If it's too floppy, then it's useless. But if it's too tense, it will snap. So there needs to be a healthy degree of tension. We are not friends with our children. Now, in due time, you will likely have a friendship with your older children, but don't deprive them of a parent when they are younger. Plus, they're not there to parent you either, so be very careful that they're not put in that role to take care of your needs. So we need to have clear roles and clear boundaries, especially when our children are younger and living with us. They want to feel secure, and having some boundaries and discipline allows them to grow in a secure environment. Setting boundaries helps them understand how a healthy relationship can function because they will model their future relationships based on what they've experienced. So if they are living in an environment with no boundaries, it will be difficult for them to set boundaries to have healthy relationships when they are older. We want them to see healthy relationships. So you need to be working on creating healthy relationships in your own life. Now, kids are hardwired to be defiant and to push boundaries. But the research shows that kids who push and test limits with their parents actually have better social outcomes. Our job is to set healthy limits and hold our boundaries and let our children try on different ways of being as they push against these boundaries. And Brené Brown's research showed that young adults who had little to no boundaries as children felt like their parents didn't care about them, and this fostered a deep sense of shame. And Brown reminds us that boundaries give kids a sense of safety and security, and that kids learn to hold boundaries themselves based on how well we hold our own boundaries. So, so much is important about what we do for ourselves. So those are just a few ways that you can help your kids become more resilient. Obviously, there are so many more. But what I really want you to pay attention to is that all of these things stem from you being emotionally healthy and resilient, learning how to regulate yourself, learning how to manage your mind, learning how to process your emotions, learning how to do hard, learning your coping skills, learning how to be resourceful, and then modeling and teaching your kids these things. And of course, 
love. You can never go wrong with love. Love has to circle all of these things. Love for yourself and love for your child. Love for whoever is within your family. Love for the community that you are in. Of course, if you need help, this is exactly the kind of thing that we work on in coaching. So the power of coaching is as it changes you, it spills over into every area, every relationship, everyone around you will benefit. So if you're ready to invest in yourself, then you can reach out and book a consult with me. I would love to chat. Until then, Work on building your resilience and that will spill over. Be the model for your children and help them build up their resilience as well. Have a great day. I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Building Resilience Podcast. If you're interested in learning a little bit more about managing stress, building resilience, and leading a more purposeful life, then make sure we're connected on Instagram and Facebook at Leah Davidson Life Coaching. You can also subscribe to my weekly newsletter at www.leahdavidsonlifecoaching.com forward slash newsletter. Looking forward to connecting.